This is episode 139 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Self-Sufficient Living, 22 Skills for Homesteading, Basic Hurricane Preparedness, and SHTF Survivalist Radio List. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, a couple of things to, or actually not a couple, a lot of things to uh, that I wanted to touch base on before we actually uh, get going uh, on the articles. Um, you know, the other day I mentioned maybe you're getting a little bit, um, a little bit bored with all the Harvey information, and Ivy Heart Farm left a, a comment on uh, episode 138 or 130, yeah, 138. Uh, that um, okay. Um, for, as for being bored, we're we're hearing about Harvey. I can't can't thank you enough for your insight. You are on the ground and you've given us information from a very informed and unique perspective. This is what the website is all about: being prepared. Keep up the awesome work. And that's Trent. Uh, so uh, thanks thanks Trent for leaving that. And uh, yeah, so I I do have a, you know some more insight uh, as I'm traveling around as I've gotten out there. Now <laughs> let me say this: uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna sound like a wuss. Um, so as I'm getting older, different things going on wrong with my body. For I think I've mentioned it before that I had some problems with my foot, and I've been dealing with this for about a month and a half, and uh, where it would get inflamed, and I thought maybe I was stepping wrong. I thought maybe my shoes were were jacked up. Uh, I don't know. I was I was uh, I, lo- I was looking like a funny old man getting into my truck because I was kind of like getting in backwards because I could feel when I would get in the normal way, I, I could feel where I was putting pressure on uh, my foot and I, I could feel that, you know, the thing in my ankle. And so there was times where it would flare up and I would really feel it. And other times where uh, it felt like it was going away and I'm like, all right, I'm good. And then it, it was just, it kept coming back. And so, um, you know, all this, this last week with the hurricane going, I was, I was pretty good. Up until Wednesday, uh, when we came back from going to my parents' house, we came back and we had tracked a lot of water in, uh, and we, you know, we tried to be very careful. And it wasn't really like nasty water that's out there. I'm gonna get to that in just a minute, but um, it was just just tracking water in because things were a little wet and damp. So we came back and we vacuumed and we mopped the whole house. Uh, we cleaned out the refrigerator, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, and then cleaned out. There was so much like gook. I, I mean, I don't know. It was just it was it was like leaves and pine needles, but just other gook. I mean, I don't know. I didn't touch it all over the yard, right? From from things that were uh, that traveled up there from from all the water that was there. And so I mean, it was all in the mulch and the flower beds and the and the you know. And so I started raking all that up and, and getting it up, and it was it just looked nasty to me. And uh, didn't touch it, but got it, you know, in a trash bag and, and all that. But towards the end of the day, I started feeling it. I started limping. Thursday, I really started feeling bad to where I was at the end of the day. I was like, man, this is this is it. You know, I was like, uh, I was you you stand up and it's like you almost don't want to take that first step. And that's how that's how much it hurt. And um, so, you know, I was like, I'm going to go to bed and I would go to bed and any way that I would lay, it was like I was putting pressure on it, and I can't really sleep on my back. It just that never works for me. Uh, you know, even elevate, I was elevating my foot, nothing was working, and uh, I was finally sleeping with the bed, with my foot off the bed, right? 
and uh, woke up. I'm like, hopefully tomorrow morning it's going to be better. Friday it was it was bad, and so we finally called the podiatrist. And uh, luckily they were able to get me in there, and it didn't take too long for the doctor to finally say, you know, ask me some questions. They took an X-ray, blah blah blah, and I uh, let him know all the things that were going on. And he's like, it's gout. And I'm like, come on, not gout. You know, my dad suffers from gout, and um, you know, we I've seen him in pain before. I mean, he's got a funny tennis shoe that he has cut out the toe, and uh, he would wear it because it was just so, you know, it was so painful to put on shoes. And I'm like, it, it's not anything like that, you know. It, there's no hot. It, there's there's no places where it's hot. It's not gathering at my in my toe. It doesn't look anything like you know what people say gout is. And he says, it doesn't have to look exactly like that. He explained a whole bunch. of This doctor was really great. I, I love it when doctors take the time to explain things to you as opposed to just saying, yeah, it's gout. Here's some medicine. Go. Come back. Whatever. And this, so this doctor was really great. And he, you know, he explained it all to me. Did some, did some uh, blood work. And I'm supposed to go back to see how high my uric acid is or whatever. But gave me some medicine and started working pretty quickly. And so I was very glad for that. Uh, but... So, you know, I've been kind of kind of dealing with 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 that and uh that's what I was saying you know, you're going to th- you're going to think I'm a wuss, but it's you know, unless you feel it, I mean it's like it sucks, man. Getting old sucks. So, um but anyway, you know, it was good to go to church and uh be with uh th- this morning, be with the uh, people from church and and hang out with with them and so um we started talking about all of our experiences out there, and everybody has different experiences. Uh, some of the things that, that I have seen, uh, for whatever reason, uh, our area, you cannot find eggs. Now, you can go to the store, and stores have, uh, they have different hours. They're not, they're not staying open as long as normal, um, but uh, they're starting to increase. So you have, uh, you know, you go in, and uh, I could find bread very easily. Although not not like the whole selection, but there was bread if I needed bread. But we were good with that. Um, you know, got some milk because you know our refrigerator had gone down and we had already finished the milk that was in it. So we got some milk. But eggs, I cannot find eggs to save my life. And we don't we're not you know we don't eat a ton of eggs. Um, we're not like egg people every single day or anything like that. But my wife has a couple of recipes that she's been wanting to make and she needs eggs for them and. We haven't been able to find it. We got a couple of different going to the to the store about three or four times now. Haven't been able to find them. Now other people in uh, at church were saying, man, we have had no problem finding eggs. In fact, all the the grocery stores were stocked and everything was great. Uh, you know, we have uh, a lot of people that were uh, that were prepared and uh, a lot of people who you know who heeded the warnings ahead of time, which was great. Um, one of the some other things that I've noticed, and we had some gas shortages. Um, gas has gone up. I don't. They say that's part of the normal September or whatever, but it has gone up uh, about 28 cents in a week here, uh, which I think sucks. But um, that's you know it's gone up that fast. It, one day it went up 14 cents, and then the next day it went up another 14 cents. And I'm like, come on. But uh, there are shortages. Uh, and I think a lot of that is just because people are just kind of fed into the panic. All that should should mellow out here, and we're not drying, we're not going out and just driving frivolously and just driving around the neighborhood and or whatever, trying to you know find things to do. Uh, we're being smart about driving, but for the most part, you know there are there are times when you you drive up to a gas station and there's nothing there, so you got to go in the morning. Uh, when I when I filled up the other day. Um, I had gone and it was probably around 11 o'clock and they only had a couple of pumps left 
and uh, I asked, you know, wait, do you when do you? Because I just curious. I went inside, and well, when do you expect more gas? She goes, well, we we got filled. We were filled up this morning, and uh, we're down to the two pumps, like you know, and we don't know when we're getting getting gas. It's just uh, we've ordered it, and it's when it's when it comes. So you know, kind of dealing with that. Uh, it's not as widespread, I I think, uh, up north. Uh, you know, some like Dallas kind of went crazy. I mean, you were you know, people were saying uh, don't. You know, you, it's, there's not a panic. You know, be, you know, you stay calm and all that kind of stuff. So, but I think it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? People just start purchasing and 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 they're afraid that they're not going to have enough, so they start topping off and and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, seeing a little bit of that going into the grocery stores again, I didn't mention this. One of the things that I thought was crazy is chips. The chip aisle in in any other store that I've gone to was completely wiped out. Like people want snacks, people want, and the, the just the chips. The only chips that were left were like the, the nasty ones, the ones you know, the the diet ones or whatever, you know, the the popcorn, uh, whatever rice cake, you know, type <laughs> type crap that nobody ever eats. And so it was like, wow, all the chips were completely gone. Um, but fruit, fresh fruit, it, tons of fresh fruit, right? No problem with that. Uh, and a, a lot of the other stuff. I mean, everything you know, is getting back on the shelves. I mean, we're not, not having a lot of problems finding things. Uh, uh, milk, I mean, like I said, was there. Didn't have any problems with that. Didn't have. So you know, it's 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 weird. It's the eggs uh, thing. The other thing that I notice is like people are craving fast food. So maybe it's, people were in their homes for so long that um, normally, you know, normally. And and to be honest, I believe Houston has. The more more restaurants per capita than any other uh, city in the United States. We have a lot of restaurants, but when you drive around and you you look at like fast food places um, like Chick Fil A and you look at uh, you know Sonic and you look at McDonald's and things like that, um, it's amazing how lines are. And it's not just around noontime. You know, noontime and maybe dinner time. You're going to have a little bit of line because people are going to, you know, that's the time people go eat. But it's like lines are there, you know, often. You know, and there's they're always there, uh, and that's kind of unusual. I don't remember seeing that uh, in the last in the last big storm. But in driving around, and I've heard other people mention that. Uh, two or three other people mention that as well. And I'm just, you know, kind of putting that in the back of my mind is like people want some kind of comfort food or, or they want it the easy food, you know, um, and, and going out there and, and getting that. So uh, I've been noticing a lot of that. One of the things that's kind of scary is the uh, the AP has been reporting on uh, super fun sites. And at first I had no idea what was going on, what this was all about, but it's toxic waste. So there's an, uh, one of the, the articles that I saved is from uh, the AP and it's uh, talking about Highlands, Texas. And so if you're familiar with Houston at all, uh, Laporte, um, Channel View and Laporte, uh, Texas over there off of um, uh, the ship channel. And so Highlands is off of I-10. Once you pass, uh, you know, Laporte and Channel View and that, it, it's it's a little suburb out there. And it's a small town, but there was a toxic waste dump uh, where they just kind of dumped it there back in the day. And I believe back in the 1980s, they scraped it and they took all that toxic waste and toxic sludge out and they went to go move it somewhere else. But they have been monitoring it. And one of the guys 
that was interviewed said, you know, hey, we didn't know any better. We were younger, but our dogs would go run uh, back there and their paws would start to be eaten. The paw, the dog paws would be eaten because of, of uh, how much toxicity was still in the ground. And so the EPA still has wells that they monitor there. Well, there's a bunch of super fun sites that are underwater. And uh, so you have all this toxic you know and and supposedly it was scraped and all that kind of stuff but it's still i mean the it, EPA is still monitoring it right and so you have all this water that is that is filling up these sites and it's seeping into the ground it's going into other places it's spilling over and people are really really worried about that you have the arkema uh arkema uh plant that was letting off of uh, ammonia, I believe, and they're blowing their their tanks are blowing. I think now uh, they're trying to do a control burn for the rest of them because they're not uh, they're not all uh, blown up. But there was like two explosions, and and there's uh, been a couple of other explosions. So you have you have that um, one of the, you know, my children's church. We were very lucky. I mentioned church. Uh, and sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place here. Uh, I missed it. I missed, I mentioned church and my children, you know, everybody at church uh, fared well. I mean, even people who had flooded in the past this time around, I have a, you know, church members who, who have flooded in the past and flooded big time. Uh, and this would have been like their third time in just a short number of years and they didn't flood. And so God was really, really good. We did a lot of praying uh, th through the, the whole hurricane time and, and the rain and uh, praying for, uh, you know, praying for ourselves and praying for, uh, you know, church members and, and for the city. And, and just God really blessed everyone at church. But my children's church uh, director's mom did not fare very well. She lives uh, off of uh, one of the bayous, and her house is eight feet. They've never flooded ever in all the years. I mean, this is, you know, uh, they've lived there for, for a long, long time. And her mom is like 80 years old. Uh, she grew up, you know, she's, I believe, in her 60s, and she grew up in this house. Um, but the, the house is eight feet up above the ground, and they still had chest-level uh, chest water in the house. And uh, so they, they had to evacuate, definitely, they had to evacuate. Um, the people uh, that are mentioning, one of the reasons that it's going to continue, they mentioned that it's going to continue to flood because of the releases from the, the reservoirs, from the uh, attics and the Barker reservoirs. And uh, man, that is one of the things um, you know, you know, people have talked about. Uh, when they made that, they didn't make it for, they made it in the 40s. And it's been around for this long, and uh, one of uh, one of my church members who is who has flooded so many times is on one of the the flood relief you know boards or whatever, and gets a lot of the information. And uh, you know, one of the the experts said it's not uh, when you know if that dam is ever going to or that reservoir is ever going to break. It's it's when it breaks. And so if it does break, it is going to be bad, bad, bad. That is an SHTF scenario for Houston because uh, it just a lot, a lot of water coming down. And so it kind of depends on how it breaks. If it kind of seeps and, and starts, it's going to still let off a lot of water. But if it breaks, breaks, 
man, that's going to be people are going to die on that one. So it's a very very scary situation, knowing that it's got so much water. They're doing controlled releases right now. Of course, you know, government's never going to tell you how bad it is. They're gonna they're gonna you know let you know uh, it's okay and not to panic. And we know what we're doing. And 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 then really up until this time, things have been. I mean, they what they have said has happened. So they do have some people that know what they're doing. But you know, it's still. If it if it was a time to panic, they're not going to let people panic. They're just going to tell you things are good. Uh, I, I just that's my um, you know that's my the the in my back of my mind. That's just the way that that I feel things would go down. But anyway, so they told uh, they told my my children's church director's mom that. Um, it's going to be like that for a couple more weeks. I mean, she's not going to be able to get into her house. So water is is receding, but it's still too high to get in there to do anything. Uh, and still seven feet high right now. And so you can't do anything. So your house is going through mold. It's going through all this, you know, the things that are happening and you can't get in there to remediate it. You can't even get in there to get your, get your stuff right now. And so it's, that's a terrible situation. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're dealing with that. And for someone who's older and having to, to go through that, that, that sucks, man. And so, uh, you had, you still have that. You still have a lot of people. There were still mandatory evacuations. There were, uh, because, uh, the releases of the reservoirs were flooding neighborhoods and to keep people safe, they're turning off electricity. Now, I really believe that's what they did for us. We lost power, but I think it was in order, one of the things that went out was in order to save the infrastructure and not to damage it so while water is, you know, water starts hitting it while it's on because our power lines, uh, power lines come into our neighborhood, you know, they're, they're, uh, you got the power lines, but then they go into the ground. So everything's in the ground. So it was like, uh, in order to save infrastructure, we're, we are turning things off. You know, there was a young man who went back into a home to save, uh, an animal and power lines were in the water and he got out of the boat and he he died um, because of electrocution and so you have i think numbers they're starting to find more people who have died um uh in the in the storm i think it was 40 plus now just i'm wanting to say in the houston area i think in you know when you look at the whole destruction which uh, it's like I said, we got to keep. If, if you're thinking about giving and you're thinking about, uh, please consider some of the smaller, uh, some of the smaller cities too, because there's a lot of love. There's a lot of things pouring into Houston, and no doubt we need them. There's going to be there's there's going there's thousands and thousands. They think upwards of 130. The last estimate that I heard was up upwards of 130,000 homes have water in them and you know not everybody has insurance and you know you know there's people that were living paycheck to paycheck who are not going to work who are having to get in there to their house they're they're doing the best that they can to remediate and to take everything out but they're not going to have any money to start putting in insulation uh we're going to get to get to winter and although you know our winters aren't bad like a lot of you who are up north it's it's still you know it's going to suck and so you have, I mean, this is going to affect Houston for a long, long time, but there's a lot of little cities and a lot of uh, little places that, that are still in an SHTF situation. We, all the way from, from Houston East going to Beaumont in Louisiana, we have a lot of cities that are flooded and uh, like Beaumont, I don't know if you've heard about Beaumont, but they've been underwater. They have it, all their water supply was completely knocked down. 
uh, and so they don't have water, all the water, you know, Beaumont's not a small town, I mean, we're not talking about like a, a hundred people here, um, it's a, it's a decent sized town, so they're shipping in water, uh, they're bringing in food, um, you know, and so you have all the other little towns like Vider, you have some others around there that are underwater as well. Uh, one of my teaching friends who was at the school that I, that I was an administrator at, or her family is from Lumberton and they're completely underwater. And, you know, you're not even hearing these small towns anywhere. Uh, you still got Rockport that was completely devastated by the hurricane who got the direct hit and, uh, you know, all the, all the other places. So when you think about giving, if you're giving money, try to give to some of these. And if you can find a local uh, charity in some of these smaller cities, that would be great. Um, I've heard some really bad things about the Red Cross lately. Uh, I was going to read some, but I, I just there's so much here that I didn't want to do that. Um, so one of the other things that we that that's going on is uh, you know that I work for the school district. Our the school board met and everybody was like, hey, so what's going what's going on? And we were going to back to school administrators or teachers and staff are going back to school on Tuesday this next Tuesday and students would be coming back on Wednesday and of course you know they said no matter what decision we make everyone's going to be there's going to be some people that are not happy about it there's going to be criticism well um, one of the things that has been happening is some of the mud districts uh, have been uh, and mud that's where we get our water and our sewer um, you know you have the city of Houston but then you have all these mud districts that are around and this one one big one has failed that uh, that seven of our schools feed into and so they sent out a big old thing that said you can still you know your running water is fine you can still drink water brush you know cook and all that kind of stuff but the sewer lines are not, they don't have the, the pumps to deal with that, are not, uh, you know, not all 100% functioning. So they said you can take a shower, you can brush your teeth, you can even flush your toilet. But they said, please do not do laundry and please do not take baths. Well, um, because eventually I guess it would back up and it's one of those things. And so, uh, you know, one of the members of my church was, was really panicky because they were, you know, this was happening like, Todd, what do I do? And uh, if you are a member of uh, the, the email list and you got on, uh, you got the e-course, the e A More Self-Reliant Life, you know that I talked about a pig bladder, about, you know, going to your, your sewer line. And for instance, like in our home, in the back of our home, whenever we have, uh, it's only happened once where, you know, things got stuck or whatever and we needed to get a rotor router. So you go to Home Depot and you rent one of those out and you kind of feed it and stuff. It's a, a drain. Oh my gosh, I can't remember what the name of it is. But anyway, so it's, a, you know, the drain that you go and you feed it all in there and, and, you know, everything starts working and whatever. But it's the line that attaches to the main sewer. So it's coming out of your house. And so, um, uh, you know, my idea has always been because I have talked with, people that were in this area because some people are on gravity fed sewer lines so you're you're usually good you're 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 feeding down and you're you know on this gravity fed thing and then but eventually if the pumps aren't working on the other side it's still going to back up and so uh i've talked with a guy who who uh worked with the city or worked with the mud district uh, I actually did his wedding and the way that it works here in, in our area is we're gravity fed. It goes down to a certain point and then there's a pump that pumps it up 
and then back over and then back down to another gravi gravity you know gravity fed line and so it keeps working its way down that way until it gets to uh, to the to the to the pump or to the to the water treatment plant and so uh, you know eventually like if you know and I asked them I said what happens if the power goes out, he says, well, we have generators on these pumps. I'm like, okay, well, what, you know, how long or, you know, would they run? Well, they, you know, it would, they would run two or three days and then we would have to go fill those up. But if you're in a poop hits the fan situation, really the poop is going to be hitting the fan because, uh, you know, if they're not refilling those pumps and the pumps aren't able to move stuff over and back down to the gravity fed, you know, lines, then it's going to be backing back up into your house. And that's one thing that she was worried about. And you know how people are. People, there's some people who are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to follow the rules and I'm not going to take a bath and I'm not going to do my laundry. But some people are like, I don't care, I'm going to still do my laundry. And they're not, they're not really thinking about the ramifications of what would happen that the sewer lines would get so backed up that it would start coming into your house. And so you have raw sewage coming into your house and you don't want that. So, you know, my, my thing was, you know, you know, you want to get a pig bladder and if you can, you know, do that, you know, talk to a plumber, see if you can get a plumber out there to, uh, to do something like that for you. She went to a meeting of the HOA, uh, just the other day and, uh, they had an expert that came over. And so I wanted to kind of share this with you because this might be something that might be valuable to you is, uh, they said, get bags of sand uh, and, and, you know, the pig bladder would be a one-time deal. You put that in there and you leave it there and then you wouldn't be able to use water or anything out of your house. You basically, you need to, you either, or, you know, you're pooping in a, in a, in a five gallon plastic, whatever, or you're, you know, you're, you're bugging out. But, uh, this, this scenario was you fill up some big Ziploc bags with sand and you put them over drain holes. So all, all of your drain holes you would you would fill them up and the weight of the sand so like if you had a, a ziploc bag and you had the corner you would put this corner in the hole as as much as possible but then the weight of the sand would keep any water from coming up so she has a couple of bathrooms a couple of you know toilets a couple of sinks and all that kind of stuff and so you know she was thinking about doing it doing it that way i guess the only um you know, the, the only thing would be that you have to have enough sand. So you would have to do it in your, uh, in your toilet. You would have to do it, you know, in where, where the, you know, inside the, the container, the, 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 where you, the water gets filled up, the water tank. I mean, I can't talk, uh, the water tank. And so you would have to find a way to get it in there. And so it'd be heavy enough for water, not to back back up um, but that is uh, a possibility if you are ever in that situation so um, she had some neighbors that got her some sand probably not enough I'm like let me know I'll go I'll go to Home Depot grab some more sand for you and bring it over to the house and we can make sure that we can put as much around it as as possible I think I still would like a pig bladder uh, to to do that but this way she can still stay in her home and, uh, you know, she could stop up all, all the things that she's not using and still, uh, you know, uh, just in case if things started really going down, uh, she could, you know, stick the, you know, uh, stick this, uh, this stuff in the sand, uh, or the sand Ziploc bags of sand in these holes and, and, uh, you know, be ready to go on that one. So, uh, man, there's just so much, so much there to, uh, to consider. Uh, but we have that going on. So our school district 
has uh, postponed school uh, another you know another few days. We're going back on Thursday, and then kids come back on the 11th, September 11th. And uh, so there's a bunch of bunch of crazy stuff there. You know, one of the things, you know, Irma, Hurricane Irma, it looks like it is going to hit the East Coast. We don't know exactly where. Um, one of the things that uh, I look to for any kind of weather and, you know, solar weather is, is Suspicious Observer uh, on YouTube. And uh, you've heard me talk about him before and get the app. Uh, you know, today I posted in uh, the, the Prepper website group um, that there was uh, a high risk for big earthquakes. Uh, in the next 72 hours, so uh, you know people people have been noticing that, um, or at least I, I put that on there, and people are like, yeah, we love this app, uh, you know, whatever, and I think it's a it's a good app. But uh, whenever I think about you know uh, I'm hearing things about earthquakes and stuff, and and I go to his because he's not sensational. He really looks at it from a scientific point of view. There's guys out there that any kind of earthquake around, you know, super volcano, Yosemite, whatever, it's, it's going like, hey, it's the end of the world. And this guy really settles it. And so Idaho has had some five point, uh, you know, five point whatever earthquakes, um, which is it's kind of a little rare, like Soda Springs, Idaho. I've been following it on the USGS uh, website and uh, they've had some go off there which is kind of rare i mean i don't remember them uh going off there that often but uh i went over to Sus suspicious observer this morning and uh he talked about that he pulled up uh you know the the earthquakes for that area and the you know and yeah it happens you know every, it's not unnormal uh it's you know for this to happen and so this happens uh you know from time to time uh, and, and I think I'm one of those believers that if there's small little earthquakes, because even on Judge Report, they talked about uh, the little earthquakes going on in Yosemite. I'm like, if there's little earthquakes, I'm of the, the belief that that's actually good because all those little earthquakes are get, living, leaving off or setting off pressure, right? Uh, the, the time to be concerned is if all the earthquakes stop and pressure starts building up. But anyway, that's I am not scientific. I am not a scientist. That is just my, you know, that is just my opinion there. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. But uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, you have all those kinds of things. But anyway, he was talking about the two different models uh, for Hurricane Irma. And uh, one of them is has it going into Florida. Uh, and then one of them has it, the European model, has it going into the Carolinas. And uh, so, you know, all those of you that are on the East Coast, you guys, uh, you know, guys, you need to be preparing. I think it's hitting around September 11th, September 10th or 11th. We're praying. We're praying that the, that the hurricane turns and goes back into the ocean and doesn't hit the United States at all. But uh, we, you still need to be prepared. It's still wise to be uh, prepared. And so uh, one of the things that you know, someone hit me up and said, Todd, we were looking forward to. Can you post some articles of? Sorry, I got my my um, my sound up on my keyboard, and it's letting me know I'm getting emails. Um, Todd, can you let us know? Can you post some articles from Hurricane Harvey about what worked well, and uh, let them know that like, hey, I'm going to be posting you know posting my own article on uh, you know my my you know what worked well for me. But let me just give you two things here because if you are on the East Coast, I mean I don't need to tell you about the food and the water. That that stuff is there. You need to know that you know there's going to be certain things that you're not going to be able to get. 
Um, one of the things that worked really, really well for me was uh, an inverter, a big inverter so that I could run my refrigerator when the power went out. Um, I, I bought this inverter years and years when I first started. Actually, this, might, this inverter might even be pre-Prepper website. Uh, I think I bought it at, at all places, Harbor Freight. Now, Harbor Freight has a lot of crap there, just FYI. Uh, but uh, I, this was one of those purchases when I was young into preparedness. I probably should buy uh, a better, you know, a, a better quality one, maybe one with better reviews off of Amazon. But I believe this one was from uh, from Harbor Freight, and so I connected it to my, you know, when once the water, once we saw that it wasn't uh, coming up anymore, that we started seeing it receding, although it was receding very very slowly. We had lost power. I didn't want to lose everything that we had in the freezer. So I went ahead, and I do have a generator. I just didn't, I didn't want to connect the whole generator for just my my refrigerator if this was going to, uh, if this was going to work. So I didn't want to, you know, have to set all that up. But uh, it worked. I mean, it worked perfectly. And so I uh, connected the inverter to uh, my car battery. Uh, my truck, you know, the truck holds about like 30, 35 gallons worth of gasoline. So there's a, I had it topped off. We had topped off all the the, the vehicles. And so if I needed to, I could go between vehicles doing this for a longer period of time, but connected it, started the vehicle, connected, you know, connected the, um, uh, an electrical uh, cord to it and, uh, you know, connected my, my refrigerator to it and it worked without problems. It was a 750 watt inverter. And so you might want to look into, if you're on the East coast, um, that is a great way. If you have a vehicle, if you have a car, Top it off. Make sure you have, you know, a, a lot of. In, I ran it for about an hour and a half. Uh, we hadn't opened up the refrigerator. We hadn't done anything like that. But uh, I think we opened it up once to get some things out so that we could have breakfast. But for the most part, we weren't going in and out of it. So, uh, but by the time I connected it, it was cold. It was everything. Everything was still fine. Nothing had defrosted. And uh, you know, when we finally left to my parents' house, we put everything in. Uh, a big cooler and went and dropped it in their freezer so we were good good on that so I just thought you know all that to say that if you're on the east coast one of the things you want to get if you don't you can't afford a 300 400 500 dollar generator then all the gas or or whatever if it's a propane dual fuel whatever you're going to do then the easy thing to do is to go out and buy maybe a 50 60 75 dollar uh, inverter and make sure you have a long enough extension cord and then you could run um, really I think once the big draw from a refrigerator is to get it going uh, you know and then after that I don't think you have that big draw anymore and I really I ran it for about an hour and a half and then uh, after that the the water receded enough to where we were able to leave and so you know we had everything packed in the igloo but uh, the gas did not move at all. I mean, I didn't have, you know, my, my gas tank. I didn't waste any gas at all. It was just idling there. And so uh, I, I suggest doing that, going out, buying, going out to Walmart or Target or Radio, or Radio Shack's not around anymore. Maybe, you know, whatever, Where, wherever you can find an inverter, uh, even a Harbor Freight, you know, go buy one of the cheap ones. Maybe it, it'll last you. You know, Harbor Freight has some tools. They're like, uh, I've heard people describe them as throwaway tools. You, you, you count on them once and maybe it's a job that you're going to do once. 
you count on them for one time and then you can't count on them again for later on. And so there are some things like screwdrivers and hammers and different things like that. But if you're buying something like this electronic equipment uh, or, or something, you know, the solar panel, whatever, you don't don't go there. You want to get some decent stuff. But anyway, I, I do think, uh, like I said, this inverter did work. I was glad it did work. And, uh, you know, if I had to, I would have busted out the generator. But uh, this worked. So if you are on the East Coast, go ahead and do that. The other thing that worked really, really well um, were uh, flashlights. And we had a ton of flashlights. Um, the ones that I love are the Outlight, uh, the Outlight brand. I'm going to link to the one that I have. I don't know if you... I'll, I'll find a really great, uh, you know, uh, an inverter on Amazon, and and I'm gonna link to these outlight, uh, these outlight uh, flashlights as well. If you have Amazon Prime, you might be able to get them before the before the um, before the storm. But anyway, these suckers are so bright. So I bought these. I have a I have two of the smaller ones. I have one a big one that you can't find anymore. And uh, I bought it and I love it. this sucker is so powerful. Um, and I bought one for my dad and after that I couldn't find them anymore. So I went I started looking at these outlights and uh, they're just as powerful. Uh, not just as powerful. They're they're uh, not as powerful, but um, they're they're more powerful than any other flashlight I've ever had. And Besides that one big one that I was talking about. And it's got the zoom on there, which was great because we were able to, in the middle of the night, when we were getting up and checking the water levels and we were using the fire hydrant across the street, it was pitch black, you know, everything was out. But we were able to shine the light on the fire hydrant and see it perfectly and see where it was, if it was rising. Of course it was rising. But the great thing is that you can put these on the high power and you just set it, set it uh, you know, uh, standing up. And it, and it lights up the whole room. It's it, They're just so powerful. It's not like any, you know, you, you think about a little cheap flashlight that you get at Walmart or whatever. Nothing like that at all. I bought the rechargeable batteries that go in it. Uh, the big uh, the big size, but I don't even know what size they are. But uh, the big ones that go in it. I bought the multi-charger so I can charge two batteries at the same time. And these suck. everyone liked these because everyone wanted to use these because they gave you so much light. And so when we were packing to go... Uh, and uh, you know we, we didn't have any light in our rooms or whatever. I mean, this is you would turn this on and set it on a dresser, and it just lit up the whole room. So um, these are really great flashlights. I truly recommend them. Uh, and so there's other things that worked. One of the things I would have liked to have had was uh, some sandbags. I'm going to talk about that. I'm writing an article. I'll, I'll probably finish it up tomorrow and put it out. But um, uh, I would have liked to have some sandbags. But the other side of that is. What, I don't know what you do. I mean, you just after you have the sandbags, you just go get rid of them, or what? I mean, what do you what do you do with that? So uh, I would have liked to have some for maybe the garage, and and uh, because the garage is a little bit lower than the rest of the house, and so uh, we would have started getting it there first, and then it would have started coming up everywhere else. And I would have liked to, if it was just coming into the garage, just stop it from there. Uh, which, like again, I said, it came very very close. And actually, one of the sides of our house is a little bit lower. Um, so when you look at the way that the water ran, it was um, the junk and the goop that I was talking about, the yard, came up a lot higher on one side. But, um, you know, that's one thing that I would have kind of liked to have, but then I don't know what I would have done with it afterwards, you know. So I really, 
I guess I need to kind of look into that and see if that's something that I want to store in my backyard or even if you can store it, if it's a one-time use. I have no idea about sandbags. So, um, you know, someone, maybe someone can help me out there. Um, but, you know, this isn't the only, uh, guys, I know I'm going long, so long on this one. Uh, I might not even do some of these articles. We'll see. Um, so not only do we have Irma, but we have wildfires in Montana. We have wildfires in California. Um, you know, so uh, U.S. is being hit on so many different levels there. Uh, so our prayers are with you. We prayed for you know, people on the East Coast this morning at church. We prayed for people in the wildfires. Uh, so one of the things that's not getting a lot of attention is um, India. They've had up to 1,200 dead and 41 million people affected in uh, their monsoon rains. And uh, that's that's terrible. 41 million people. So when you, it's nothing compared to Houston. I mean, Houston is tragic, but uh, this is this is humongous. And the thing is, is that you know, it's a, you know, it, it, India. You know, people really don't. It, it might get you know a minute, or two minutes on the news, but it doesn't get a whole lot of other other stuff other than that. So, uh, but keep these people in your prayers as well. Um, that's terrible. Some of the pictures that I've seen there is just it's just crazy. Um, saw some uh, saw a picture of a horse on on Facebook that was in standing water for two or three days, and it had like its skin was eaten off. And um, you know the the post was people don't realize what happens to to animals when they're in in uh, standing water for so long, especially horses. But it looked like the, at first I thought it was like it was burned off, you know, and it was like, oh, this horse maybe went through contaminated water, and, and it could have, you know, it could have. Uh, the water is just not, I'd still. I don't please if you see, don't let kids play in the water. It's just so nasty. We had kids uh, going off and uh, uh, just walking around barefooted in uh, waist deep water, and I, I just I couldn't. I was cringing just thinking about. All the stuff that was in there, uh, but you know, definitely, definitely don't uh, you don't want to do that. So uh, anyway, uh, horses. You know, if you have horses and, and, and animals and, and those kinds of things, I mean, they were really, really affected by that. Uh, and so something to uh, something to consider there. If if you have animals, you want to really be thinking ahead of time when uh, the poop starts hitting the fan or you start getting into one of these weather events. Uh, thinking ahead of time and not just waiting to be back in. And, and you know, in all fairness, a lot of the times things happen and it's like it's never happened like this before. You know, it's always gotten to this point and then it stopped. And that's the way it was with my neighbors. You know, it's like it's never gotten this high before. Uh, last time, the reason we got flood insurance is because last time everyone was saying it never got this high before. And so I'm like, man, if they're saying it never got this high before and it was high, I can't imagine next time, uh, you know, how high it'll get. And so I was glad I had uh, flood insurance, although, you know, I'm glad I don't have to use it. Um, I, I, that's, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and start moving from there. One of the things I'd like to invite you to is to uh, the Back to Basics Living Summit. It is a free summit uh, online from September 10th through, 6th, through September 16th. Um, you watch it. It's a summit with a lot of experts uh, in preparedness, and it's free. And so basically what you do is you sign up 
Uh, you register and you get an email confirmation. They start sending you the information of when these webinars start. And uh, so you get the link to go watch these and, uh, you know, watch the ones that you want to watch. So there's all kinds of, you know, things like saving money, uh, health, uh, naturally clean food, living simpler. Uh, people like Melissa K. Norris is going to be there, Greg Peterson, uh, Jody, Moore, Jody Moore and Julie Weiss, uh, you know, how to plan a year's food supply, um, never buy garden seed again, Angela Paskett. A lot of these people I link to articles on Prepper website, Kendra Lynn on canning, uh, starting a homestead from scratch, uh, Tommy Trayer, Tammy Trayer, sorry, how to embrace an off-grid lifestyle, Sherry Ann Rich, uh, Richardson, Paula Miller, you got uh, all these, you know, uh, Mitchell Visser, Michelle, Michelle Visser, sorry, uh, and I'm, I'm not reading everybody, I'm just kind of skimming here, uh, Cindy Miller, uh, gosh, there's just so many people here that have good stuff, Sarah Hathaway, Rick Stone on year-round gardening, Wanda King, uh, Rick Austin on survival gardening, Megan Smith on uh, a food storage planner. Uh, Jason Mattias on producing value and income in your household. So a bunch of good information. You get to pick and choose. Like, all right, I don't want to really go to that one. Yeah, I want to attend that one. And so you get all the information. So like I said, you go, you register, and uh, you know they send you the information through email. Um, so the servers can handle you know the people. They know how many people are going to be uh, paying attention or how many people are going to be on the uh, uh on on the the webinar itself sorry I'm, I'm having trouble talking here I'm trying to talk fast but at the same time get through everything um, so that's the ba back to the basic living summit I'm gonna go ahead and link to that one in uh, the show notes for episode one actually I'll, I'll kind of remind you as we go throughout the week but it's starting September 10th so you don't want to uh, forget that one so I've been going very long uh, now I, mean, I think it's like 45 minutes into this uh, podcast and so let's go ahead and read some these articles uh, these articles are really great and so I think uh, they're uh, hopefully I can go get through them pretty quickly um, but I think they're they're good for uh, for where we are right now and even those of you that are uh, on the east coast and you're preparing and actually even if you're in forest fires right now uh, or you know just things that you need to know um, some of these these articles are uh, are it right now. So uh, let's go ahead and move forward with this. Um, first one comes to us from BeSurvival.com. Self-sufficient living, 22 skills for homesteading. When the crap hits the fan, we need to be ready to live a life of self-sufficiency, be self-reliant and self-sustainable. First of all, what does self-sufficient mean? According to the dictionary, it means needing no outside help and satisfying one's basic needs, especially with regard to the production of food. For us preppers and homesteaders, it also means getting off the grid and relying on ourselves as much as possible. So that means that you must know how to be self-sustainable and self-reliant, like our grandparents did during the Depression. We live, in a we live in a time where everything is digital, everything is quick, and everything is bustling. We no longer live, can live without our iPhones or cell phones in general, laptops or our fancy iPads. We can't stand to be without central heating and air, and we definitely don't have the time to cook a dinner from scratch every night on our busy schedules with sports practices and dance recitals. We have long forgotten the taste of biting into your own homegrown, fresh-from-the-garden tomato. We have long forgotten the enjoyment as we sit down together to a made-from-scratch dinner. 
We have long forgotten the feeling of accomplishment when we built something from random sticks or wood laying around, or the smell of fresh, line-dried clothes. Since we, have a long, since we have long forgotten them, chances are your child won't get the chance to even experience and appreciate these small things we did as, child, as a child. They would go absolutely bonkers if they had to go a day or much less a week or longer without their Wi-Fi or smartphone or favorite video games. Not all kids are like this, of course, but most are, so it's up to us to teach them the basic skills of being self-sufficient adults before they grow up and it's too late. We need to start making sure everyone in our family knows how to do most of these things. These skills will last a lifetime and could one day help save their life. 22 skills for most more self-reliant, self-sufficient living and homesteading. If you put the following 22 skills, tips, and possibly unthought of ideas to good use, you can start a journey from being fully on the grid to being partially off-grid in months and well on your way to going completely off-grid and becoming self-reliant for a lifetime. This is important. Start at your own pace and take your time to ease into each new challenge. Don't get overwhelmed and realize many of these skills only require your attention for a few minutes every now and then. Realize too that some, like gardening, take months to see real results from. But that's okay. No one is saying you have to start a self-reliant farm from scratch tomorrow and these items aren't any sort of order. So go at your own pace and let your own needs be your guidestone. So with that in mind, here they are. Gardening. Everyone should know how to plant and tend a basic garden. This will give you and your children food and nutrients when they have nothing else to eat. Start with easy to grow plants such as tomatoes, leafy greens, and beans. Then you can add some tougher to grow veggies as as your experience grows. Start an herb garden. This will spice up food and some herbs have medicinal value as well. Canning. With all those veggies growing, you'll need a way to save them. The best way is to learn to can. This will save them through the cold winter. You can also learn to make pickles, peppers, preserves, and more. Fishing. Everyone should know how to fish. Believe it or not, some people have no idea how to fish. This is very important. You may need to catch a fish or two for dinner one day. And I had some things I was going to talk about during these, but I just I don't want to go so long. But uh, I hate fishing. But I had a I had a, a uncle who uh, was a great fisherman. He had a boat, and they would do deep sea fishing. And I have big memories of them coming back. And uh, you know, at, towards the end of his life, uh, he died in a tragic car accident. And if he wouldn't have died, I know that he would have taken us because he was a big fisherman and hunter and and all that. And and my dad necessarily wasn't, but my dad was more into business and 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 working you know working hard to establish businesses and stuff. But uh, but uh, I, I have these memories of them coming coming home with these big catches of fish and gutting them, and uh, you know it, it was nasty, smelly, and and whatever. But I, you know, they they would they would do all that. I saw all that, and it was it was crazy. You know, towards the end of his life, they would just they would pay someone when they would dock, and someone would do it there, and it was just it, it got to the point where it was easier for someone else to do it. But uh, I never just I never got into fishing. It was just never something that that I really enjoyed doing. But uh, I can I can see where everyone should learn how to fish. Um, and I guess part of it is like if you're in an area where there is fish. All right, continuing on, hunting. If you want meat on your table and don't have access to a farm, you need to learn how to hunt. Cleaning your fish and meat. This goes with hunting and fishing, and you need to know how to skin and dress or descale and clean your meat for dinner time. 
Starting a fire. Everyone needs to know how to start a fire. It can be tricky to do in a windy, wet, and humid condition, so it's good to know what to do. Learn what a light learn with a lighter first, then move to a flint and striker, and then try your hand at more difficult primitive ways to start a fire, like a bow drill or rubbing sticks together. Rationing. I know it's hard to ration food, especially when you have a family, but this is a must that often gets overlooked, but it's very important. Dividing up food and saving food is important when you need a little food to last a while. Cooking. It's a good idea to have multiple members of a household know who know how to cook using basic ingredients. I'm not talking about making a box of mac and cheese or heating a pizza in the oven. I'm talking about homemade breads, pancakes, etc. Make a clothesline. How else are you going to dry your clothes without a dryer or electricity at all? And it's the only authentic way to get that fresh from the line smell. Homemade, make homemade cleaners and soaps. Using basic items from your pantry like baking soda or vinegar, you can make your own cleaners, soaps, shampoos, and more. You can use baking soda as a dry shampoo as well as toothpaste if mixed with a little water to make a paste. Vinegar can be used as a deodorizer but is also good for things like cleaning dirty toilets and disinfecting. Use a washboard. You need a way to properly clean clothes. Learning to use a washboard will prove to be beneficial. Build a smoker. This is a great efficient way to cook meats, veggies, and more. It adds a delicious flavor to everything as well. My father-in-law, we live out in the suburbs. My father-in-law doesn't live too far away from me, and he built a smoker, man, and it's really nice. Uh, you know, they, they do the sausage there that they, that they uh, get or that they make from, uh, from uh, hunting you know, deer sausage, and uh, it's, uh, it's a really great deal. And when it's going, man, it smells. The whole, the whole neighborhood knows it's there. Uh, I guess it wouldn't be good for a poop pits to fan scenario, but, uh, you know, while, while things are good, uh, you definitely you can use that. Uh, raise a few animals. Chickens will give you eggs, and of course a cow will give you milk. A horse can get you around. Goats, rabbits, sheep, ducks, and other options. So let me tell you, uh, I didn't I didn't grow up hunting and fishing and all that kind of stuff, but we did own. Uh, I have owned some rabbits here, and uh, when it, you know you talk about learning how to clean your own animals and how to you know do that kind of stuff, I mean it's it's funny. Some people out there might like Todd really, but uh, I, I didn't have that experience growing up. But you know what? What got me was YouTube videos, and YouTube videos helped me. And so, learning from YouTube videos, and so when it was time to go ahead and harvest uh, some of the rabbits that we had, it was, you know, going working off of those YouTube videos, and uh, man, it it worked. It, it things things worked out. And so, uh, you know, it, sometimes it's just you got to get around doing it. But uh, I think anybody can own rabbits and uh, chickens if you have a little bit of room. Uh, I, I think it's really worth it. Uh, sewing. Everyone should know a basic stitch or two. This will save a lot of clothes from not being able to be worn. Crocheting. You can make hats, gloves, socks, blankets, and more if you lean. If you learn to crochet, learn to stock up. Toilet paper, water, food, and lots and lots more can be stocked up. This is very important in an SHTF scenario. Learn to barter. Trading items will be very beneficial when the SHTF. You'll need to know the skills when the SHTF to trade items. Cut firewood. Know how to use an axe. Know how to sharpen one. You will need wood or fire to keep everyone warm and for your smoker and more. Make herbal medicines. This will help colds and make daily aches and pains feel better. Plant some fruit trees. This will give you fruit and berries to eat and to can. Start a compost pile. With compost, you are creating rich humus for your garden and adds nutrients to your plants and helps retain moisture in the soil. Learn to live on the basics. Learn to live with just what you need and nothing more. 
it's important to understand that a lot of these you have to gradually learn. At community centers across the nation, they offer classes on learning to sew and bake. Ours also has a canning class. You can also look for books pertaining to certain skills to learn. One of the best self-sufficiency advice I can give you is to talk to the older generation. They grew up in a time where they knew how to do some of the stuff, plus they have wisdom on everything. They have more years on you and have learned many more useful ideas and advice than we know. Self-sufficient, self-sufficient is not easy if you are used to living a very busy, digitized life. It takes some adjustment, but it's well worth it in the end. With the SHTF, you will be prepared and ready for your family. All right, so uh, there is a comment here. Somebody dropped a comment of uh, you know learning self-defense. Uh, that that that's an important skill to know, uh, and this really isn't just for homesteading. Uh, you know, it's it's just skills that people should know. And I know that he talked about uh, young people at the beginning. Uh, you know, our kids, you know, things that they should learn and things that they should know. Uh, and so, you know, every kid's a little bit different. You know, I have one that goes with my father-in-law, loves to hunt. Uh, you know, that's his deal. And and you know, every kid's a little bit different. So. But, uh, you know, good skills here, a good list that you can start picking and choosing and, uh, you know, start working through, uh, get some good ideas. Our next article comes to us from 1776PatriotUSA.com. Uh, John wrote this one when Hurricane Harvey was, uh, was gearing up. And uh, so we, um, we uh, you know, we posted this one earlier on Prepper website, but I think it's going to, I wanted to go ahead and read it for those of you on the East Coast. Because you know, one of the things that you find is people were moving into Houston, and they've never experienced a hurricane before, so they didn't know what they don't know what to experience. I mean, you know, they hear about it, people talk about it, and, and whatever, but you know, it's like okay, so there's going to be some wind and some rain, and and that's it. And so there might be people on the East Coast. Maybe you have moved to the East Coast and you're not familiar with hurricanes, and uh, you know, this is the first time you're hearing about it. And uh, maybe you're hearing some of the things that are going on in Houston, and now kind of your your attention's kind of peaked. And so here are some things to kind of consider when you're uh, if you're over there and uh, considering, or you know, a hurricane could be uh, barreling down on you. So again, basic hurricane preparedness. While many peppers look to North Korea, and that's another thing that we didn't even talk about, uh, I didn't even bring up, is uh, the little crazy man in North Korea, and uh, you know, firing off uh, his, his little H bomb. His hydrogen bomb and what that's going to uh, what's going to take. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of news uh, here in the next couple of days on that. There's going to be a lot of EMP articles written. Uh, I'm actually linking to uh, on Prepper website. Someone sent me uh, a link. Uh, the Mad Prepper Tea Show, I believe. Uh, some ladies who do uh, a video uh, a video show, and so it's uh, uh, Engineer Seven Seven Five is being interviewed talking about EMP. So that's going to be on Prepper website uh, this evening. So you can go and check that one out if you're interested in uh, It's a video. So, uh, you know, he talks a lot about EMP. But I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about that here uh, coming up in, in, the, in the future and what that means. And so you're going to start seeing the EMP stuff. You're going to start seeing nuclear stuff. Uh, you know, um, be, you know be, be calm and cool and collected and... Uh, that's one of the, one of the important thing. Um, I'm going to get off on something else again. One of the important things that that is another takeaway when we're right in the middle of Hurricane Harvey is not to lose your head. 
Um, you know, and that's going to be in any survival situation. That's going to be in any any you know time where the poop can, can, is hitting the fan. You want to make sure that you are thinking clearly, that you are not making rash decisions, that you are not uh, you're not freaking out. Uh, I think I shared the story of my neighbor who called me and and just was completely uh, was was totally upset. And she's a she's an older lady. She's on a walker. And she sees the the water coming up higher than than she's ever seen it before, and she called me up and said, "Hey, Todd, the, the boat's coming to pick me up. You know, be ready to go." And she was frantic, and I was trying to calm her down, but I understood as well. Her son was still in the uh, you know in the in the um, uh, man something else I want to re- remember to talk about too. Her son was there with with you know his kids. And uh, his uh, his sister was there as well because her apartment was flooding, uh, and they left. They stayed. They didn't leave, but she was so panicked. Uh, and the thing is, is that you don't know where they're taking you. And so they they took everybody to a local grocery store, and then the uh, the the national guard shipped everybody over to a big church. And so you were sleeping on uh, people were sleeping on like church pews and stuff like that. And so I would have rather had stayed here in my house. And so that's what we did. But the way that she was so panicked could have easily panicked other people and caused them to start making, you know, uh, bad decisions. And so that's one thing that you've got to make sure that you stay calm, cool, that you're thinking, that you're, you know, you're critically thinking, that you're not making bad decisions. This boat that came to pick her up because we were, we had the garage door open and uh, you know how these these motors electronically can move up. The boat came all the way up to her front door, and so I mean that's how much water was 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 on you know on our yards and about to come in. And uh, so I, it came, uh, you know, it, it it was just crazy. I mean we were watching, and I wish I would have got a picture of it, but the boat came right up to her front door, and uh, you know they picked her up and put her in the boat and, and took her out. So uh, one of the other things is, you know, they allowed us to, my neighbor allowed us to put one of our vehicles over there because we had three of our vehicles up as close to the house as possible. We couldn't get the other one up. And she allowed us to put it up over there in her driveway. And, and as she did, uh, if she wouldn't have, we would have got water in that one. Definitely. It would have sucked big time. Uh, we probably would have lost that that vehicle. But um, uh, after I used my... my uh, inverter to cool off my freezer for about an hour i took it over to their house and said hey do you want to use my inverter to uh in 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 the the guy didn't didn't snap to it at first he was like uh why would i use that like well you connect it to your car battery you turn your you turn your truck on uh you and you connect it to your car battery and or your truck battery and then you run an extension cord here and you can have your refrigerator going so you don't lose everything that's in there and he goes, oh, man, he goes, you gave me a great idea. I have that built into my truck already. So um, when I was talking about the inverter, if you have a newer vehicle, some of the newer vehicles have uh, 120 volts already already connected to it. So, uh, you know, you might want to look into that. That might be something. And you can just go straight from uh, from your car, you know, into your into your house there. So. Uh, you might already have an inverter, an inverter built into your. Uh, you you want to check to see how many watts it is because it has to be a certain amount of watts to be able to get your 
refrigerator going, and, and that's why I said um, the the um, the immediate draw is it's going to draw and and get the compressor and all that stuff going in the refrigerator, and then it's going to level off. So that's why you need a little bit bigger inverter. So you just check that out, but you might have one already. So, man, uh, getting chasing ch chasing rabbits today. So uh, apologize on that one. Uh, so. Let me, get, let me get going on this one. While many preppers look to North Korea and a zombie apocalypse to prepare, let's not forget events like hurricanes are much more likely to endanger us. If you live in an area prone to hurricanes, preparing is a common sense step to take. With hurricane season upon us, let's review some basic tasks to prepare. Before a hurricane, secure your property. Storm shutters often offer excellent protection from flying objects. Secure your property like nailing plywood over windows when an impeding storm is coming. Also provides protection against debris sent airborne due to high winds. Have the plywood stored just in case. Uh, sp special straps are available to better secure the roof to the framework of the house. I've never seen or heard that one, but uh, I guess that's, that's a case there. Clean out all your gutters and drains. This will help evacuate heavy rainwater from the house. Make a plan. Look at the design of the house for an area that everyone can go to if things get dangerous. Uh, an inside area away from exterior exterior walls is best. One of the things here in Houston, we kept having tornadoes, and they were very close by. Um, people, and it was amazing. I don't know if you've seen some of those. People were taking uh, video. I mean, people were like out there taking video of the tornadoes. Like, man, you really get inside. What the heck? But the, we had tornado warnings going off all the time. Uh, it was almost to the point like I want to turn this app off so I don't get get it anymore. But at the same time, you still want to get them because you want to be made aware of what's going on. Um, stock up. Hurricanes can knock out power for weeks. Store extra food and water. Consider how food will be cooked if the power is out. A Coleman Camp grill with extra fuel is inexpensive as well. Um, yeah, so you definitely go stock up now. If you're on the East Coast, go ahead and buy things that you're going to use anyway, right? So uh, if you're going to, you know, water, water is going to go very, very quickly. So go ahead and stock up on water because you're going to, and now you're at a place where you can buy and they're going to be resupplying and restocking right now. So if people are wiping out in before the storm, they're going to be, we, we saw, I saw that here in Houston. Uh, but go and stock up on water. You can always use that water. Um, and, you, you know, you might want to not stock up just yet on like bread and things like that. But go ahead and get some things that you know for sure that you're going to eat that are, you know, dry goods that you can put in the pantry that you can you can, you can have. And having a way to cook it is very, again, if you are on the email list uh, in the the uh, the e-course, the free e-course that you get when you when you uh Sign up for the email list. Talks about means of cooking. Uh, prepare. Think about supplies needed to go camping like blankets, flashlights, batteries, etc. Store extra fuel away from the house as if a major power outage in the area occurs, fuel will be difficult to obtain. Maintain a good first aid kit and keep extra cash on hand as credit card machines may not work. Um, that's, that's another thing I, I didn't talk about. Uh, I've seen a lot of things like uh, cash, you know, a, a lot of things that people that are not in Houston are posting and, uh, you know, big websites or big, you know, uh, anyway, uh, 
it, it, I don't see it necessarily true. I mean, some people were like, you know, credit cards are not working. You got to use cash. It's kind of like if there were, it was a, a SHTF, like a collapse situation. And I'm like, man, that's not happening at all. I don't see that at all. Uh, and, and so, you know, credit cards never stopped working. Credit cards are working. Now, I'm, I'm a big fan of having cash. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just, <clears throat> I'm just saying. People were talking about, you know, no one's taking credit cards, blah, blah, blah. And I did not. That might be in some areas, maybe, possibly. But you just drive down the street, you're going to use a credit card. Uh, and so uh, that was and another thing. People, I read something online that people were like, yeah, we're carrying our rifles and our guns. And there's tons of looting going on. And there has been some looting going on. There has been some things that, that have happened, but not anywhere near where, I mean, of course, the media might not portray that. They might not put that out there. But on Facebook, you're going to see that, right? On social media, you're going to see that. And there have been some instances that we have seen where people like took pictures of like, hey, these low lights are taking TVs or whatever, you know. Um, but nothing like was described in uh, that Facebook post. Like it was like, you know, everybody had their guns out and everybody was, you know, it was a collapse and, and, you know, we were, you know, James Wesley Rawls Patriots, right? It, not anything like that. So be careful what you're reading on, on, uh, on Facebook. And, uh, I'm not saying that there, there's not some places where people might, uh, be carrying and people might be a little bit more concerned, but it's not the wild west. I definitely want to make sure that you understand that. Um, during a hurricane, let me I keep, again, chasing rabbit trails. Uh, during a hurricane, listen to the radio or watch TV and stay up to date on conditions approaching your area. Install shutters or boards over windows. Shut off the water supply going to the house. Clean and, clean and then fill the bathtub. This will provide an emergency supply of water. Um, on this, you do not want to... Uh, uh, I don't know about shutting off the water supply. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't necessarily do that unless it got to a point where we were uh, hearing that the water supply was contaminated or really contaminated. Uh, one of the things that I was doing was checking my uh, our mud district and checking their website, and uh, they didn't have anything up, which was kind of ticking me off. And so uh, I finally called and didn't get. You know, it got a voice message. And finally emailed, and they emailed me back right away, which I thought was really great. And they said, hey, Mr. Sepulveda, don't worry. We've had people stationed at our at our treatment plant, water treatment plant, all throughout the storm. They've been monitoring. They've been checking water samples. Everything is fine. And then they finally, I think they were getting so much information that, um, and then they said, you know, you can check our website. We're going to start updating. And then they started updating. And uh, so that was good. But I don't know if I'd turn off the water supply, uh, you know, right away uh, unless I got that information. So know where you get your water from. Uh, and, you know, if it's city water, whatever, um, you know, be paying attention to that. But if it, you're in a mud district, if it's coming from a different, you know, if you pay to bring in water from somewhere else, then, you know, know where you're getting it from. And, uh, you know, know their websites ahead of time. And you might even want to contact them like, hey, how are y'all preparing for the storm? And maybe, you know, put them on uh, on alert that I mean, people are paying attention. Uh, and then the other thing is when you clean your, you can never get your bathtub clean enough so that you, when you fill it up with water, it could be for drinking water. So you never want to use that for drinking water. It would be better, you know, I'm going back to an old Stephen Harris tape that I listened to or, or uh, a recording that I listened to. And I think you can still find them on his website. Um but uh, 
even before that that was pre-prepper website as well um, about uh, you know preparing and stuff like that so even anything that would hold water so what you want to do and I think I talked about this as well and again if you uh, if you're part of the the e-group or the e-course you would get that in this but you want to find anything that uh, has uh, has form right so like a tote you, you could get a tote and you can empty it out. And what you want to do is you want to get one of those big black trash bags like, a, you know, so, and you, what you're using, you're using that as a liner or a big contractor's bag and you're putting it in there. You're using that as a liner and you're filling that up with water. You would want to fill up all your pots and pans. You would, you know, if you've got like Tupperware and plastic things, you want to fill those up. If you have five gallon buckets uh, that, you know, that you feel like you can clean well enough, uh, you can fill those up and you can use those if you needed to use those maybe for drinking water. Uh, if you have pitchers, fill those up, pitchers of water, all those kinds of things. If you have canning jars that are not being used, you can fill those up with water. You can use that to drink if you don't have bottled water, but uh, you don't want to use, you, you know, if you have uh, a water bob, definitely a water bob i think everybody should have a water bob uh it you know talked about those before but uh, and then you can use that to fill up your bathtub and you can use that for drinking water but if you fill up your bathtub you might be using that for flushing your toilet all right uh w walk the property and pick up anything that may get blown around items include like lawn chairs toys yards tools trash cans we had a little old neighbor um she's since moved and somebody else has moved in but the last time, I think when we had Hurricane, uh, when Ike was coming through, uh, we had we had completely, you know, uh, prepared. And uh, we finally went over to her house and asked her if she was okay. And like, oh, I think I'm okay. I have this and that. We went to her backyard. And she had these little cement, like squirrels, uh, little decorative things, right? And they probably were, you know, they weighed about five, six pounds. Um, they were probably about the weight of a, of a brick, maybe a little bit more. And they were just like on her deck and uh, on her railing and stuff like that. They were decorative, but they were <laughs> these little like stone stone squirrels and stone you know whatever. And we're like, hey, you can't, yeah, you can't just leave that there because if the wind picks up, it's gonna take that and it's gonna blow it in. I mean, that's gonna you know if that hits somebody in in one of these winds, I mean, it, would, it could kill them. You know, it could go through walls. It could. It was crazy. So. Um, she hadn't taken care of any of her. So uh, I guess another thing would be is if you have older, uh, you know, older neighbors, you might need to be checking up on them. You might need to be going to them and saying, hey, how are you doing? Uh, even if, you know, you're expecting a big event, you might say, hey, why don't you come stay with me through the storm? And then when everything settles down, you can go back to your house and maybe even have them pack a bag just in case you had to evacuate. Right. Uh, that might be that might be something to do. But uh, you might want to check on your neighbors to make sure, you know, look over the fence or whatever. Like I'm not trying to be nosy, but I want to make sure that you're putting stuff up in case things start whipping around that they're not going to come through my house. Um, stay away from windows and doors. Evacuate if in instructed to do so by the authorities. Uh, after a hurricane, keep listening to the radio for information. Be mindful of dangers from fallen power lines. If cell phone service is not working, try texting. And sometimes a text will go through when a call won't. I will tell you that all through, uh, all through our situation here, when we didn't have the hurricane, uh, but th through all the rain and the storms and stuff, we never lost cell service at all. 
Uh, be careful that the winds calm. This could be you are in the eye of the storm with more danger approaching. After the hurricane, caution must be taken while walking the property. Tree limbs can fall from above. Sharp objects may be everywhere. When moving debris, wear gloves. Watch for areas that are flooded. Do not drive through large puddles as the vehicles may stall and cars swept away. Man, that is so true. We had people die. We had a police officer die because they didn't. I guess I guess what they were saying is the it might have been so dark that he didn't see the water. But it was deep water, and he and he was he was an older police officer with a lot of experience. But it was just one of those tragic events. We had a family of six that were washed away in the storm. They were evacuating, but they were washed away in the storm because uh, you know it's amazing what small amounts of water, how small amounts of water can push things. Uh, one of the th I don't know if you saw saw it on Facebook, but on 59. All the water had receded, but the big cement uh, barriers, and, and we're talking about, they're probably about five or six feet tall, or long, I'm sorry. When they're moved, they're moved with cranes. These suckers were, it's like they were snaked all throughout the freeway, and they were pushed. This water pushed, I mean, it was, it was amazing to see. Um, if I can, if I can find the picture, I'll I'll link to it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, but it's amazing with just a small amount of water, how that can make your car, you know, go off and into a ditch, and then ditches that are filled with water already, and uh, easily easily drown. Um, if power is out, only open the refrigerator freezer as needed. Food can be kept cold for hours if they are kept if they are kept closed. If there is damage to the property, take pictures to document the situation. Use extreme caution if using candles. Be aware that running tap water may be contaminated. If your property experiences damage, contact insurance company as soon as possible. Let your family know you are safe. The most important thing going through a hurricane is to be safe. If everyone makes it with their health or even minor injuries, be happy. Property can be repaired and rebuilt. People cannot. Um, I will tell you that if you flood, you want to take tons of pictures. So be ready. If you have a camera, if you don't have a camera and you have your phone and uh, your phone is, you're like one of those people like, I've used up all my memory or whatever. You've got to find a way to take pictures if you wind up flooding because you've got to take pictures of everything, of pictures while it's happening, of pictures after it's happened, of water lines, of you know work that you have done. You've got to document, document, document. Because one of the things, when we're talking about this at church, one of the things about insurance, because my thing was, you know, this might do in some insurance companies. And one of the guys who's a little bit more knowledgeable was like, this ain't going to do in the insurance companies. They are well prepared for this. If anything, they're going to nickel and dime people and they're going to, you know, uh, find ways around not having to pay people, people that weren't prepared or people that didn't get enough documentation and those kinds of things. So you want to make sure that you go above and beyond taking pictures. Go buy, uh, if you have a camera, go buy a big memory card. Make sure that camera is charged up. Make sure you have extra batteries. So when you need to, if you have to, you can take tons of pictures. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of the things that I'm hearing and seeing on, uh, on uh, you know, Facebook and things like that. So that's over at 1776PatriotUSA.com. Our next article, this is going to be a short one, but it, it's giving you, so you want to, you're probably going to want to go to, uh, to this website. It's coming to us from AskAPrepper.com. Uh, it's SHTF Survivalist Radio List. You're probably going to want to go and print this one off. There is a, uh, a print this article button right on the top right-hand corner where their social media shares are. 
Um, it says you can send it. So I, I guess you can send it to yourself an email. I don't know if that sends the article or if that sends the link, but you can print the article as well. And so you might want to print this one because there are actual numbers of um, uh, numbers of broadcasts and stuff. So if you have one of the Balfung's uh, ham radios, you could you could uh, type these into it, save these. Um, you know, and these are these are frequencies that you might want to know. All right. So let's go ahead and get into this one. From monkeys in the Amazon rainforest to dolphins in the Caribbean to ants under your picnic table, all species rely on communication with each other for survival. Humans are, not di are no different. We rely on communication to both warn and inform us, especially in times of crisis. In our modern times, the possibility of being unable to easily and quickly communicate with your loved ones or receive vital information from trusted sources is hard to imagine. But in SHTF scenarios, one of the first systems to fail is modern communications. Regardless of the emergency, hurricane, solar flare, nuclear attack, or EMP, to name a few, communications with others will become extremely difficult, if not impossible. Without telephone, text, email, internet, or telephone, or television, many people will be completely shut off from the outside world at a time when the sharing and receiving of information has never been more important. Just a few examples of the ways you rely on modern forms of communication in emergency situations include receiving alerts via text or natural of natural disasters in dangerous weather. For this particular case, if always, advise to learn the lost art of reading nature signs. Check your favorite news apps regularly for signs of SHTF. Calling your family to let them know your spouse has to be taken to the emergency room. Listening to the radio for traffic updates, including road closings and delays. Emailing your boss to let them know that you have a flat tire and are going to be late to work. When our communication is cut off, three things happen immediately. We lose our ability to send information. We lose our ability to get information. And people get scared. If you are concerned that an SHTF situation, whether natural or man-made, could cut you and your family off from vital information, you need to survive, take heart, by using a simple communication device. Your family can continue communication with each other and with the most important sources of help, such as the Red Cross, okay, I hate the Red Cross, uh, or your local emergency shelter. To prepare your family for communicating in an emergency, you have several options of communication devices. From devices that just... Okay, let me go back. I don't hate the Red Cross. I'm hearing a lot of bad stuff about the Red Cross. And uh, so, uh, again, I, I want to go back and clarify that. I'm hearing some things in multiple things, not just one. It's just not one person. But uh, the way that they operate and you know the way that they do things, um, I know that they've helped people. So I know people are probably listening to that and like, hey, Todd, they, they've helped us before. They've done... So I'm not, not poo-pooing all that. I'm just hearing a lot of things that, that are not cool about the way that they've operated. Uh, and uh, But anyway, so kind of go from there. To prepare your family for communicating in an emergency, you have several options of communications devices. From devices that just transmit, such as shortwave radio, to, to devices that will allow full two-way communication with other parties, such as amateur ham radio, each type of device will allow you to stay as up-to-date as possible on emergency situations in your area thanks to special frequencies that broadcast vital information you can use to survive. Before we get started on the main types of frequencies used in SHTF communications, it is important to point out that in order to pick up any broadcast, you need a reliable device that you are able to keep charged. Devices with multiple charging options such as solar power and hand crank provide better insurance against the disaster preventing you from charging your device while having multiple devices ensure that you will have backups in, in case your main source of communication isn't functioning. 
the main types of frequencies used in SHTF communications. AM, FM, one-way radio, short wave, or pre-recorded broadcasts that are listen only, NOAA, weather broadcasts, VHF, UHF, amateur ham radio, FRS, two-way radio, can be used by anyone, GMRS, two-way radio, requires a license, and MERS, handheld radio or stationary unit. As you can see, there are advantages and disadvantages of each. For example, NOAA frequencies are your best bet for hearing notifications of a hurricane in your area. However, should you need emergency assistance because of the hurricane, you can't use the frequency to call for help. Some devices have frequencies that are available to everyone, while others require a special license in order to broadcast. Prices of devices range widely, as does the level of expertise needed to operate each device. You can choose the device that is right for your family by considering what your communication needs are, your proficiency with each type, whether you will be able to obtain the proper license to broadcast with certain devices, and the budget you are able to spend. Regardless of the type of device you choose, there are frequencies available for each that will help your family survive emergency situations. To find out which frequencies you should use on three of the most popular prepper communication devices, see our handy reference list below. NOAA the National Oce Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, is a government-operated radio system for sending out warnings in the event of a hurricane, solar flare, nuclear attack, and other emergencies. Broadcasts are local and repeated approximately every five minutes around the clock. You can purchase a special NOAA-enabled radio that is preset to the appropriate frequencies and will alert you of emergencies whenever the radio is turned on. NOAA broadcasts can be heard on the following frequencies. 162.40, Ham radio frequencies. Um, 34.90 and 163.4875 is National Guard. 39.46 is Interdepartment Emergency Communications by Local and State Police Forces. 47.42 is the Red Cross. 121.50 is International Aeronautic Emergency. 138.225 is the FEMA Disaster Relief Operations. 142, and there's a blank there, so I'm not sure. Maybe they forgot to go back in there and finish that one off. Uh, 154.28 is Local Fire Departments Interdepartmental Communications. 155.160 is interdepartmental state and local communications during search and rescue. 155.475 is interdepartmental emergency communications for state and local police. 156.75 is maritime weather alerts. 156.80 maritime distress calling and safety. 163.5125 is national disaster preparedness or the armed forces. 164.50 is department of housing and urban development. 168.55 is Disaster and Emergency Channels for Civilian Agencies of the Federal Government. 243.00 is Military Aviation Emergency. 311.00 and 319.40 is U.S. Air Force. 317.70 and 317.80 is U.S. Coast Guard Aviation. 340.20 is U.S. Navy Aviation. 409.625 is Department of State. 462.675 is the General Mobile Radio Service, Emergency Assistance and Traveler Assistance. So you can see why you need, you might want to go print these off. Um, 
if you have a bow fund, you can get the software where you can uh, you can put all these in there, and uh, you can just download it to your bow fund, and uh, it makes it very very easy. You don't have to program it one by one. Uh, CB CB frequencies. Citizens band radio is an easy way for anyone to communicate in an emergency without a license. Standard channels range from 1 to 40, with additional channels being available with free band operation. Some helpful frequencies to monitor include channel 3 would be the Prepper CV network. I've never heard that one before, but I guess that's, uh, that's a thing. Channel 4, the American Preppers network. Channel 9, reserved specifically for emergency communications or react channel. Channel 19, the channel most widely used by truckers across the country. Emergency communication tips. Whether you choose to monitor NOAA broadcast or utilize CB and or ham radio frequencies, there are a few tips that can help you communicate most effectively in an emergency. Have an emergency communication plan in place. Don't limit yourself to only one type of communication. Having multiple devices can save your life. If speaking to emergency services, speak slowly and clearly and be able to provide details of your emergency, such as the number of people needing assistance, your location, and any life-threatening injuries. In a bug-out situation, the noise of your device may give your location away to others. Make sure you are in a safe location before tuning in. And some uh, might have uh, headphones that you could use there. So there's 32 comments in here. There's um, probably want to go check out those uh, comments over at askaprepper.com. Uh, and again, you want to check out these uh, these frequencies. And if you have a Balfung, the Balfungs are so cheap; they're like thirty bucks. You know, one of the one of the guys at the church is uh, a big ham radio person, and uh, he's like, "Did you turn your radio on?" I'm like, "I didn't turn it on this time." Uh, you know, I had it available if I needed it; it was charged and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I didn't really I didn't really use it. Uh, I didn't need to. Um, but like I said, we had internet, we had uh, electricity for most of the time. On Tuesday, when you know after our power was out, and then when the water started to recede a little bit, although it was really slow, um, I had uh, one of my NOAA radios uh, that could tune into AM and FM and shortwave and all that kind of stuff, and so I was listening to that, and uh, you know getting getting some information there, especially as uh, I was starting to lose power in you know all my phones, and I mean I had tons of battery backups and stuff like that, but it was. You know, we were connecting those, and, and I didn't know how long the water was going to be here, so I was trying to ration it a little bit, uh, even with the solar-powered uh, solar powered units that I had. Uh, you know, just trying to be careful not to use it all up all in one day. Um, but the water started receding to the point where we could, we could leave, and so that was good. So go check that out at askaprepper.com. A lot of good stuff uh, today, and a lot of things to be grateful for a lot of things to be thankful for. Uh, I know that that was a big theme at, at church today, and hopefully um, that would be in your life as well. You might be in a, in a place right now where you're just hearing about all the things that you know Montana and California and, and Texas, and then uh, wherever Irma is going to wind up. And there's always something else coming. And so when things are good and when things are are going great, I mean, be thankful. I mean, sometimes we, you know, we get caught up in all the the junk of life. But when you start to really think about what's important, it's like, man, this, you know, things are good. And so, uh, you know, even you can find the good in, in everything if you, if, if, you, uh, if you have the right attitude, if you have the right mindset. And so hopefully you'll, you'll do that and you'll consider uh, getting prepared. If you're on the East Coast, we're going to be praying for you. If you're uh, in Montana, we're praying for you. If you're in California with, uh, with the wildfires, we're praying for you. Uh, be safe, be smart, you know, use, use uh, thinking, be prepared. I mean, that's why we do all the things that we do. 
And don't forget to uh, come out to the Facebook group and join that. And uh, if you haven't, be a part of the uh, get a, become a part of the email list. Um, you know, there's I've been wanting to talk a little bit more about that for other reasons, but I just haven't got around to doing it. Um, I might not have that uh, the e-course up uh, for a lot longer. I might have some other things that I'm doing with that. I'm still I'm I'm thinking about it. But anyway, if you if you've been on the edge, you might want to go ahead and, and do that because I'm thinking of pulling it off and using something else for a time being, just to kind of change it up a little bit. And so I uh, just want you know, to kind of give you that heads up there if you want to be a part of that, that e-course. Uh, and if you get a chance, I mean, if you are buying things off of Amazon, uh, we, we, I do appreciate your, your, uh, your, your support. I mean, I don't, I'm not doing a lot to, uh, to sell advertisements and things like that. I do have some things at the bottom of if you are getting the show notes, um, some uh, items of interest, and one is uh, Legacy Foods. Uh, if you're wanting to buy some, you know, dehydrated foods, uh, you know, Legacy Food is is a great deal. Um, if you go to that link, you can see it compared to other foods that are out there. You get a great deal. It's good tasting. Uh, you know, it, it, even afterwards, I've heard some uh, some bad things about some of the other. Uh, yeah, as far as some of the other uh, foods that are out there, that afterwards, you know, you eat them and just they're nasty. Anyway, a legacy seems to be uh, pretty good, and, and my taste tests have been, have have uh, done really well with that one. Uh, so you have that, and then I also have a link to uh, a knife uh, belt, and so it's a uh, it's a uh, it's it's a nice belt that. Uh, that you can wear and it has a, a hidden knife in there that you can deploy very quickly. Now, let me tell you a couple of things. It's one of those things like you remember the, the free credit card, you know, 11 survival knife thing, whatever, you know, and tools. That's crap, right? And so I'm always weary of when I see things like this of, uh, you know, hey, it's free with shipping and handling. Well, I'll tell you right now, the shipping, shipping and handling is $9.99. It's $10. So basically, you're going to get this knife belt for $10 and get it shipped to you. And it shipped, I mean, I got it about a week, right? A week and a half. You know, slower than Amazon, but you know, it's about a week, about a little bit, a little over a week. The knife uh, is not very sharp, so you have to sharpen it. But it did sharpen, and it did sharpen really, really well. It's got a straight edge, and it's got a serrated edge. But it is, you know, it does conceal. It does work. I've worn it. Uh, it, you know, I, I, before I was willing to put it out there, I wanted to purchase it for myself to see what it was like. Um, but so here's a couple of things that you, you've got to know. When you do it, the, the way that these people get, get uh, around uh, selling items for so cheap is that they get your email list. They get you on their email list. So uh, you will start getting emails, you know, from all over the, you know, from, from, from them trying to sell you on other things. And sometimes it can be annoying. So either one, you have an email uh, that you don't really care about and you just, you can filter, you can you do it that way. Or you can, as soon as you start getting the emails that you're like, okay, this is, you know, coming from because I got the belt. You just start unsubscribing from them, and I've done that, and it has worked out. And you know, uh, it, it it was a good deal. I thought it was a good deal for ten bucks 
So you have that as well. So if you want, you know, both of those things does support. They do give a little percentage to uh, to Prepper website if you use those things. But if you're just going to Amazon and you're buying, you can use our link. If you go use our link, we get a percentage of whatever you buy. And uh, that's, you know, that's a, it's a little benefit. It's a little blessing to us. And we really do appreciate when people do that. Uh, so, you know, we, we thank you for that. So uh, with that, we're going to start another week here, um, you know, of, of the, the podcast. And I'll be bringing you more information about Harvey uh, if, if it, uh, you know, how, if it develops and see what's going on. Uh, I still think we're going to be in it for the long haul. And, uh, you know, I've heard other people say, no, we're, we're getting back to business, but I think we're going to be in it for the long haul. Uh, I did post a video. of uh, It was over at Jason Cummins, uh, the Cummins Report website, but it was from Greg Hunter. And he talked about the long-term ramification from this. So you can go to Prepper website and find that. It's a video. So, I mean, that will never find its way on the podcast because it's a video. But go check that out. And... Um, if you if you are interested in the suspicious observer video, I I auto automatically uh, post that on the Facebook group every day. So there's uh, I've got that automatically posting there, and as well as uh, full spectrum survival, they do a quick three to five minute news update that you normally don't hear in mainstream media. It's a, it's a lot of other alternative news stuff. So you can go and check that out and that automatically gets posted to the Facebook group. And you can join the Facebook group by going to amoreselfrelientlife.com. Amoreselfrelientlife.com. That gets you straight there. Or you can just come to the Prepper Website Podcast and click on uh, Facebook group and uh, it'll get you there and just click to join. And uh, barring that you're not going to come in there and uh, be, be <laughs> I do, I do reject some people, you know, if you, you know, people who don't look like they have anything to do with survival, anything to do with preparedness, anything to do with homesteading. It looks like they're just wanting to join so that they can start selling stuff. I'm like, no, I'm not letting you in. But other people, you know, I do let in and most everybody gets in. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's growing and it's a community and you can come and lurk and just check it out or you can be a part of it as much as you want. So it's up to you. With that, Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.